Welcome to the Leadership and Theology with a Cup of Joe podcast. My name is Joe Contreras, and today we'll be talking with a clinical psychologist, Elizabeth Powell, about stress, anxiety, and fear. During this time in our world, there's so much stress, anxiety, and fear. And we want to encourage you to take hold and to believe and to trust in God during this time when it seems impossible. When the end of the world seems right around the corner, have hope, have faith, and let's take a drink. You're listening to the Leadership and Theology with a Cup of Joe podcast. Well, thank you so much for um, being with me today. Um, I l- love this, the fact that we can do this. Um, gotta love technology. Um, but, <laughs> but to start it off a little bit, um, go ahead and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, um. My name is Elizabeth Powell, and I am a licensed clinical psychologist, so I do see a few clients. Um, I work at a place called Journeys Counseling Ministry, and then my full-time job, though, is at Vanguard University, and so I started as a professor there about 10 years ago, teaching for psychology, and I've kind of changed roles slightly. I still teach classes, but I've moved into a position um, called the associate dean for the division. So I oversee several different programs within the division, but still get to teach psychology for both the undergrads and for the master's level. What has been one of the biggest things that you've been doing during this quarantine time? Well, um, I currently have my dog on my lap and I (laughs) I try to take them out. I have two dogs. try to take them out for walks and play with them. I like just kind of sitting outside in the sun because I feel like I need to be outside a little bit. Um, So I've been trying to read and even take my bike out. Um, Those are probably a lot of the big things (laughs) that I've been doing besides work itself. I miss people though. (laughs) I'm sure, especially students during this time. Yes, and a few of my friends have played some online games together, so that's been kind of fun. There's like different board games and card games and stuff you can do online. What do you What do you like most about when you are teaching? What What subject specifically do you teach? Um, I teach several within psychology, but I'm trained clinically, which means doing therapy. So I teach classes uh, often in that area. But the two areas that I most do now are related to diversity. And then um, integration of faith and psychology. That's a very interesting topic, integration of faith and psychology. Yeah, I I love that topic, actually. So I teach that class, the capstone um, for undergraduate students. And then also in the master's program, I do a class called psychology, theology, and spirituality. Mm. Sounds like a fun class. Yeah. There's a Um, lot of history there between psychology and the church, so it's fun to explore. I can see that. Um, Now, I feel like during this time of quarantine, there's a lot of um, stress and anxiety and fear in a lot of people. Um, So today, I kind of want to talk about um, those three different aspects and um, your your point of view from a psychological standpoint um, and a biblical standpoint as well. Um, So my first question is kind of, how would you define stress? Yeah. um, So stress itself is more anything that kind of requires adjustment, right? Or um, an emotional strain on us, that's stressful. So where we have to kind of adapt and change, um, think differently, it it impacts us. So it 
the stress is kind of this idea of, oh no, I have to do something new, right? Or change and, and um, so it's an emotional or mental kind of strain basically. Well, what do you see as the biggest causes to stress? Yeah, that's a hard question because I think it really varies for people. Um, you know, depending on who you are, a lot of stress is actually about perception too. What do we perceive as most difficult? Oh, there goes my dog. Um, what do we perceive as most difficult? So, you know, they have a list of stress. It's really interesting because um, like the most stressful events, you can actually Google that and find, and they'll have like points and stuff, but change itself is stressful. So sometimes even good events, like getting married, that's one of the most stressful events, right? That's positive but it causes a strain as we're preparing for change or moving. Um, so any, any of those things that adjust, makes us adjust is stressful. Um, and I think a lot of it is perception. So for me, I'm not a big fan of details. Like I can do it, but I don't love it. So when I have to sit down and do a bunch of paperwork, that's stressful. But if you ask me to create new ideas and vision, like that's fun. For somebody else, their personality might be, oh my gosh, don't ask me to do the like vision. That's so, so stressful, but they could fill out paperwork all day long, right? So we have a couple different things. It's the idea that we have to adjust, but then also what do we personally um, find fun or exciting? And what do we find challenging? So it, it's a little hard to define what's the most stressful because it, it really is kind of different for each of us, right? Definitely. Um, what are some things from your personal experience throughout your life, what have you been finding to be most stressful? Um, for me personally, I think any new season is hard, right? Just when there's like a lot of change. Now, the strange thing is we are always in constant transition and change. There's this family psychologist, Virginia Satir, that actually says we're basically in constant transition. And I think that's true, right? We're always in a new season. Um, so I think for me, when I've gone into like really new seasons, I've had to move to a new area or take on a new job or a new role. I find that the most stressful because everything is new. And especially um, for me, having to find like new support. So like friend, like having to change friends when you move or like who's the community at the new, the new job. Like that, that for me is most stressful is when I don't feel like I have a good support system yet. And I'm trying to find that that group of people. Yeah, I think it's definitely interesting that new things often cause stress, especially because this pandemic and this, what we're experiencing right now is so new. And yes. I can see how that can cause so much stress during this time. Yeah, I kind of thrive off of new sometimes too. Like I'm a, I like creative things, but at the same time, it is a stressful process, right? To have to adapt and to think differently and specifically right now with the pandemic, I think all these things that are inside of us, our normal patterns are really heightened. So if we have a little bit of like self-criticism, all of a sudden it like gets really big. If we have um, some kind of fight with a, a spouse or a family member that's kind of normally there, I think it's gotten bigger as we're home. So all those normal stressors have sort of become larger for some reason. Yeah. And I feel like in, in times of stress, people tend to flee from the situation and with this pandemic where we have to be locked inside it's really difficult to flee from those um, yeah. stressful situations um, how do you best manage stress well I think we have several factors that we try to do in 
kind of in the psychological world. So one, we talk about coping mechanisms, right? Like just what are our ways to handle difficult situations? Um, sometimes that's as simple as I need to journal so I can get out my feelings, right? Sometimes it's as simple as going for a walk. Um, but sometimes it is more complicated to say like, I actually need to go to therapy. I need to have somebody to talk to and process through things. So I think for all of us, it's a matter of what, how are we coping? Um, you know, sometimes people cope, but they do it destructively. If, if you talked about like the fleeing, right? Uh, avoidance itself, little bits of avoidance is okay. But when we go to avoidance all the time, that's not healthy. So um, that for some people, that could be something like substance abuse, right? That's an unhealthy coping. It's helping people get through, but it's causing all these other problems. So we want to think about what are our coping mechanisms. Can we do some um, exercise? Can we kind of calm our body through breathing? Um, do we talk to a friend? Can we journal? All of those things are really good, good strategies. We want to think about support systems as well. Like who do I have that I can talk to? And you mentioned technology being great. At least we can communicate this way. Um, so thinking about how do I reach out maybe in new ways that I wasn't doing before and um, paying attention just to our own needs. So at some point, if I'm feeling sad, like what, what is it that I'm missing? How can I change um, to address that need? Now, I, I get it, we're limited in this pandemic. I can't just go out and hang out with my friends right now, but um, can I maybe call them up and do an online game night? Can I have like a conversation with a friend that I really miss? So those are like coping skills, support systems, and paying attention to our actual needs or are generally how we start to deal with stress, right? Yeah, absolutely. I like the, one of the, the one things that I like about the pandemic is that the fact that we're able to, um, we have more time to really sit down and reflect on what we need. Because I think here in America, especially, we are always in, stuck being busy and a busy schedule is always what you want to be or have. And right now it's easy to, there's nothing else you can do. So it's like, it gives you more availability to really yeah. look inside and see what you need. Yeah, I think busyness is actually a huge problem. Um, it keeps us from really knowing ourselves and dealing with, with challenges or, or issues that are deep in there and probably keeps us from connecting with other people, our God, right? Because we just keep ourselves so busy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next, the next area I want to kind of talk in, talk to, talk about is fear. So what, 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 how would you define fear? Yeah. So fear is actually like this perception of danger, right? Or a threat. Um, that's the reaction to that. So if I think there's a threat, then I feel fear. Um, one of the really important things to understand about fear is the fear response. So what does our brain do when we see danger or we become afraid? And you, you mentioned about the idea of shutting down, that's fight or flight, right? So our body actually goes into fight or flight when we start to experience fear. And so we either shut down or we become more aggressive and we actually um, start to argue more or fight, physically fight any of those things when we become afraid. And this, right, this makes sense when you think of it in an adaptive way. If there was an actual physical threat to my life, um, I want to have the extra energy to run, to get away, to fight. But in social situations, this becomes a little bit of a problem because I respond in fear to something and now I'm shutting down or I'm getting angry. 
Um, but it's it's helpful to understand it's a, it's a uh, fear is actually this idea of a perceived threat, right? My response to that. Absolutely. Can do you think that fear is strictly bad, or can fear be a good thing? No, I think fear is a good thing in the right situation. Like if I, I was facing a, a literal threat to my life, um, whether it's like a bear coming at me or, um, you know, I don't know, a tsunami or something, like I need to be afraid because if I wasn't afraid, I'd just stand there. But if I am afraid, my brain kicks in to fight or flight and I begin to, to run to safety. So emotions themselves, all of the emotions, I think are things that God has given us. And really what they are are just little bits of information um, to make sense of the world around us, right? Fear is telling me, hey, there's something out there that's a threat. The challenge is that our emotions can definitely get turned up too high or too low. We don't feel anything or we feel too much. We're afraid when we should be afraid. Oh, Rosie. Um, we're afraid when we shouldn't be afraid, right? So there, there is a lot of scripture that says, do not be afraid. In fact, it's one of the things that's most said. And when I hear that in scripture, I think a lot of that is more about we like mistake a threat, right? We're, we're misinterpreting threats. And I think God is kind of telling us, hey, that, that is not something you need to be afraid of, right? I am bigger than that. But, but fear itself does give us information. So we need to take that in. But then we use logic, right, to make an actual decision. And we use our understanding of who God is to make a decision. So fear shouldn't be our guide for all things. That's problematic. But it should just be one piece of information that we take in and then we decide how to move forward. Does that so make sense? Good. Yeah, that's so good. Um, I love how um, Pastor Stephen Furtick, I don't know if you're familiar with him, um, but he mentioned in one of his sermons recently that um, fear allows us to exercise our faith. And I think that's um, a powerful thing because sometimes we feel like fear is like, it's always a bad thing. Um, but if, if we change our perspective on what we're fearing, then it could, mm -hmm. it could be something that could be used for good. And Definitely, um, yeah. when you feel fear, how, how do you manage that, I guess, negative fear or bad fear for something that would be beneficial? Yeah, so I think first we have to sort of step back and say, what am I afraid of, right? Um, and is this, evaluate whether that's a real threat. Um, one of the phrases we might use is like, is this a bear, right? Is this really actually something coming at me? Is it a true threat right now? Um, and so if we do that, we can start to, to shift that perception piece and maybe calm ourselves down. Um, of course, things don't feel good. Like, if I'm teaching and I'm going to go in and read my evaluations, right? I might have a little bit of fear to say, oh man, what are people going to have, have thought about me um, as a professor or a teacher? And it never feels good to get negative feedback, but is that an actual threat, right? If somebody doesn't like me, I, I don't know. No, not really, right? It's not because I still know that I'm a child of God. I still know that God loves me. I just might not have been doing the best job yet and I need to change maybe some of the ways I go about things so I have to kind of step back and say that's not a real threat that's a bummer it doesn't feel good but it's not an actual threat so if we can start to evaluate the thoughts that we have around fear and say is this truly 
um, a threat to us, that's going to be really helpful for managing fear. If it's really truly a threat, then we just need to react and get away, right? We need to take, take care of ourselves and be safe. Um, that makes sense. Again, that's physical threats to our life. But what I want to say is it's hard in the moment to think clearly. So one of the things we want to do is just take a deep breath. And that sounds so simple. I realize that. But when we think about fight or flight, we sort of have adrenaline rushing to our body, but also the oxygen that's normally in our brain, like it goes to our brain to fuel it. It actually goes to our body to fuel our limbs and, and all of that. That makes sense. So when we're in fight or flight, though, we need to take a deep breath, okay? And put the oxygen back in our brain so we actually begin to think clearly. And then we're able to evaluate a threat better and say, is this truly something um, that's worth kind of being afraid of? Or do I need to look at it differently? So that's kind of how we manage fear as we start to ask those questions. Is this really a threat? Calm our body down, get into a better space. Um, and then we can kind of look at, is this really dangerous? Awesome. So good. Um, I want to kind of move into anxiety. So how would you define anxiety? So when we think of fear, it's more specific. Like there's one event or one um, thing that we, we think of as being afraid of um, as a threat. Anxiety is a little bit more like a state of being right? It's, it's kind of broader. It's not this one thing necessarily. I know sometimes we say we're anxious about um, presenting, but it, it's more diffuse. Like I am generally in this state of feeling worry. I am generally in the state of feeling like there's threats around me. And it's not always about this one thing. So anxiety tends to feel a little broader. Um, some of that can be physiological, right? Some of us have reactions in our own body that keep us at a higher state of anxiety. So we're walking around and we start to feel like everything is kind of a threat, right? Everything is concerning. Um, if I'm in that state of anxiety, if I go in to interact with somebody, I might be worried about what they're going to think about me, or did I say the wrong thing? Or, you know, we're, we live in a constant state of fear then when we're in that anxiety. What do you think are the biggest causes to anxiety? Man, that is so hard because I actually think this generation is incredibly anxious. Um, about 20 years ago, maybe, yeah, 20, 25 years ago, maybe, depression was, was more prevalent than anxiety, but I think we flipped into more anxiety than depression. I mean, both are obviously still um, very much with us, but anxiety you know, I think it, it's an interesting thing. Henry Nowen actually has a really interesting book from years ago, but he talks about this idea that we are living in um, the realization that man can destroy itself. So basically what he's talking about is nuclear man at the time, but especially now we're thinking about this pandemic and we think about um, possibly nuclear war or just any of these kind of terrorist ideas. I think people are living with this idea that the world could sort of end at any time, right? And so we live in this state of anxiety, like, is this gonna happen? Is the world over? And then that trickles down into the way we see ourselves, the way we see others. Um, so there's, and, and news doesn't necessarily help because if we take in all the news all the time, um, we feel like we're just under constant threat, right? Because our, all we do is hear every story from around the world that's bad. <laughs> And people didn't used to take that much in. They would live in their communities and that's what they saw. It wasn't like 
threat here, threat there, threat there, threat, you know, it's so much. So um, I'm not sure it's exactly one thing, but I think it's the fact that the world is sort of living in this state that feels like we could destroy ourselves, right, at any time. And then we translate that just into um, our own individual being. There's, I'm not a social media hater, let me just be really clear, but social media does play a, a role in that because I'm I'm comparing myself now to the most beautiful people, the most wealthy people all around the world constantly, instead of just being in my social circle, right? So um, that makes us incredibly anxious because we can't live up to those kinds of standards. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Social media does, could definitely play a role in causing a lot of anxiety. <laughs> I can see that for sure. Especially now when I, I find myself scrolling through social media even more now since there's not much that I can do. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, to be clear, it's not just social media. It really is the fact that we have instant access to everything and it's coming at us all the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what would, what would you say is the difference between um, these three of stress, anxiety, and fear? Um, typically, I think stress is a little bit more about the physiological reaction to kind of having to adjust and change and the mental strain. And again, fear is a little more specific, whereas anxiety is kind of a more state, um, an ongoing state. But they're all about perceived threat or perceived um, challenge, right? So they are about the mental, mental strain that we experience, and they do have physiological impacts on us. Um, stress is not always seen as a full threat. It's just something that we see as difficult or challenging. Um, but fear and anxiety are more about threats themselves. What does the Bible say about stress, fear, and anxiety? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, again, one of the most common phrases that we see in the Bible is do not be afraid, right? Do not fear. It's usually followed up with God saying, because I am with you. So I think he's trying in that he's not saying like, hey, fear is wrong. But I think he's saying living in that constant fear is something that we should move away from. So the initial reaction of fear. I think is very normal. But we always have to go back and, and challenge our perception to say, is this truly a threat? If we recognize that God is with us, then things are not truly a threat, right? Um, I'm not sure if scripture like fully talks about stress directly. Um, I think fear is more directly addressed and this sort of idea of anxiety, like we don't need to worry about all of the things every day, right? God says, why are you worrying about all these things? I provide for the birds. I provide for um, the flowers. Like I'm, I'm going to provide for you. But one of the challenges we have is God, God is with us and he's providing for us. And yet there are things in this world that we don't get. So trying to separate out the sense of he's providing the eternal for us, and yet we have the human needs at times, that's really challenging, right? Because he's, God is with us and he will always take care of us. But that doesn't mean that in every moment we get exactly what we want, right? Or there is still death on this, this earth, but we spend the rest of our lives with him. So it's very challenging when we think about this theologically. Um, because he is saying, I am with you. Right. And I know that, and I, I have experienced 
peace and comfort in situations that I probably shouldn't have um, on, the, on the external view. So God does give us peace. He does give us comfort. But there is, there is this challenge of our bodies being finite and our bodies being human. And at some point, those do decay, right? And then we have to go to our eternal life. And so it's, it's an interesting kind of uh, dilemma we're living in when we have to deal with both pieces of that. Does that kind of make sense to you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Um, my final or kind of a, a couple of the last questions. Um, are You kind of touched a little bit about this earlier on, but are these um, emotions bad to have? Right. I think that's one of the things the church does that is not always helpful is to make it seem like these are bad things. But the reality is Jesus experienced all these different emotions. Um, we saw Jesus get angry. We saw Jesus get hurt. I mean, right before he goes to the cross, he's actually, I mean, to me, he's anxious because he's like saying, God, I don't want to have to do this. He's talking to his father saying, I don't want to have to do this, you know, sweating blood. But he always takes those feelings and he states them and he owns them, but he puts them back on his father, right? And so for us, it's about what are we fostering? The initial feeling I don't think it's bad. I think that's information. It's telling us what we're experiencing. It's telling us about the environment, but it's also helping us to say like, what do I need to, to put back at, on God, right? Or at his feet. He says to cast his care, our cares at his feet. So how do we take what we are feeling and give it back to him um, and have that faith and have that trust in him? But, but still, again, be realistic. I don't think that God is telling us to be unrealistic. I think he's saying, yeah, take steps to make yourself safe. Like if I'm walking down an alley at night by myself, I, I think having a little bit of fear makes sense, right? Because it's saying, just be alert, pay attention. Um, but I don't need to let that fear stop me from going out of my house, right? That, that's turned up too high. So I think in his messages, what God is saying is, don't let the fear drive you right? Don't let it be your leading edge, but instead notice that you're feeling it and then figure out how to reframe and how to submit it to, to him ultimately. So good. Um, what are some, so for people that want to explore the, these um, emotions a little bit more, are there any books that you would recommend for people to read? Oh, that's a good question. What are books? Well, I think I don't necessarily have an exact book, but there's a lot of stuff that's available online too. Like if you want to just look up that sometimes if people know their own feelings, there's a lot of like feeling charts that you can actually look up. Um, but I encourage people to do a lot of like mindfulness um, and just connecting with their own body. Because if we don't know what we're feeling, going to our body can be really helpful and just kind of breathing and taking that in. And I think there's a lot of contemplative prayer online too, that you can breathe as you're doing some of the prayer and that will really help um, calm people and kind of um, bring them back to right, the right focus with God. Um, you can also just look up cognitive behavioral therapy online and you can find some, some things you can do at home. Um, I would look up like I mean, if you, if you're in like a really bad state, then I would recommend going to therapy. I'm not telling you to do your own therapy, but like, if it's something simple, right, you can do your own 
um, like challenging your thoughts and challenging the cognitions. So those things can be really helpful. There's a lot of like journaling and uh, directed journaling you can find online. I'm trying to think of a really good book right now um, related to this, but I don't necessarily have one. I have like a couple books that I really love that help us understand that we're, we're loved by God, like Ragamuffin Gospel by Brendan Manning and Life the Beloved by Henry Nowen, which sounds disconnected, but I actually think when we take in that we are God's beloved, we're his child, right, that we have grace, it lowers the fear and anxiety because we don't have to prove things. We don't have to um, be anything else. Like we really understand he is with us. So those are two books that I recommend for that. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Sure. Um, and then, and just to close up a little bit, is there any, um, any final statement you want to make about, um, stress, fear, and anxiety? Any last thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I guess my, my simple is when we live in the stress, the fear and anxiety long-term, it does damage to our body. It does damage to our mind. It does damage to our relationships. Right. So we, we do actually want to find ways to calm ourselves down so we're not living in it all the time, but to honor that it exists. Because if we push it down and pretend it's not there, it actually becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And then it ends up driving us. So we don't want to go to the extreme of pretending it's not there, but we don't want to go to the extreme that it's the only thing we think about. Somewhere in that middle, honoring it, right? And then making a wise decision and involving God in that decision is actually where we're going to live um, in the healthiest space. So don't be afraid of fear, right? We actually can use that to get information about our experience in the world and then ask God to say, okay, join me in this. What do I need to do? Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email us at alexcwithacupofjoe at gmail.com and make sure to always remember that even the little things make a difference.